chapter 3. I want to speak to you this evening just a little bit of a, a story of the Bible and, and maybe just to give some clarity why sometimes do bad things happen to some good people. Have you ever wondered that? Why some hard things happen to people that are, they're just good people? That kind of happens in, in Daniel chapter number 3 of your Bibles, and it's a story, and of course the Bible is one book with 66 books inside of it. And right in the middle of your Bible, maybe a little bit to the right, uh, middle to the right, you'll find the book of Daniel. It's only 12 chapters, but it's a very uh, significant book. You know, God tells the good, the bad, and the ugly about everybody. He doesn't mind. He'll tell about Abraham and how that he was the father of nations and the father of the Israelite people. He also tells about his ugly ordeal with Hagar. And he'll tell him about his trips into Moab and into Egypt. Um, God will tell about David. Boy, the sweet psalmist of Israel. But he doesn't leave out the part about his sin with Bathsheba. Uh, God tells the good. But you know, it's really hard to find a negative thing about Daniel in the Bible. Daniel is, for as much of a volume of information there is about Daniel, there's not a lot of negatives about him. And I think probably because Daniel was a man of prayer. I've heard Brother Johnny Pope stand right here and he said, you know, I have known some great pulpiteers in my ministry. He's been preaching now for over 50 years. He said, I've known some great pulpiteers who could just woo a crowd and and." Boy, just have people eaten out of the palm of their hand that have fallen into gross and immoral and challenging sins. Because I've known people who are extremely well organized. They could organize and put a project together and, and put and move people to different things to get projects done, fall into sin. He said, I've yet, and this is his opinion, he said, I've yet to see in 50 years a true man of prayer fall into sin. You know, prayer is an important part of the Christian life. It should be a priority of the Christian life. It's challenging. It's, it's challenging for me, and I'm sure it's challenging for you. Maybe you've got a corner on it. But most of us, you know, I like what the apostle said. You know, he said, Lord, teach us to pray. And it reminds me, one of the best things I can do in my prayer life is pray about it <laughs> and ask the Lord, God, teach me to be a better at talking to you and petitioning you and understanding prayer. Daniel was that kind of a guy. Daniel has had a unique life in that his, he was raised in Israel, but probably while a young teenager, or at least maybe in his 20s, young guy, he, uh, the Babylonians came in with Nebuchadnezzar, and they took some of the brightest, strongest, nicest people you could find, and he was in that group. And uh, they took away his ability to be a father. They took away his ability to be a husband. And they said, you're going to spend your life, you're not going to have a family, you're going to be working for the Babylonian government. Robbed him of a lot of things right there. Robbed his future, robbed him of posterity, robbed him of a chance to, to, to love and be loved in that way. And they marched him 450, 500 miles from where he was in Israel to Babylon and began to teach him a different way of talking. Taught him a new language and taught him a new way of living, the, the tongue and the culture of the Babylonians and the Persians, the Chaldeans. 
And um, his life changed drastically. But though his environment changed, his heart for God didn't change. Those things that his mom and dad taught him when he was a young man, he held on to those things. Not everybody did that. He wasn't the only guy to go. There was Azariah, Mishael, and Hananiah, which they would rename each of them. They took away their name and their identity. To, they called him Belteshazzar. They called uh, Hananiah uh, Abednego or Mishael Meshach. They gave him, they gave him uh, false religious gods' names. They changed their names, their identities. They changed their environment. Tried to change their food, and they asked permission to have a little different diet, and God blessed them. And they took away a lot of things from him, but they, did, they couldn't take away his love for God. And he began to pray and begin to fervently seek the Lord. And they stood when it wasn't easy to stand. They served the Lord. I, I admired Daniel. I don't know everything I need to know about Daniel. And then Daniel, uh, whenever you, you favor God, God favors you. The Bible tells us in 1 Samuel chapter 2 and verse 30, he said, a person honors me, I'll honor them. He said, be it far from me. If someone honors me, I'm going to honor them. And boy, we see anybody in the Bible, there's an irrevocable law of God that he blesses every act of obedience. You obey God, he'll honor you. You may not see it directly, but he did. Well, this guy, he lived through three different kings. He lived through Nebuchadnezzar, he outlasted him. Belshazzar, he outlasted him. And then he lived into the king Darius, and he lived there. He was an old man. And all the time, oh, he had his lion's den, you know, in the lion's den. That happened when he was an old man. But God delivered him. Uh, he was threatened to be killed, and he, the, the king had a dream, and he couldn't remember the dream. He wanted to know the, the dream and the meaning of the dream. And if he couldn't find someone to tell him the, the dream he had, he couldn't remember the dream, and he couldn't tell the meaning, he was just going to kill everybody who said they were in a cabinet of advisors. And Daniel was in that cabinet. And he said, not so fast, king. We've got to have a prayer meeting first. Give me a little bit of time. And he went to his brothers, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, which was Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and said, hey, guys, we've got to pray. <laughs> pray with me that God will illuminate my mind and tell me what the dream is and what it means. And they all prayed together. By the way, there's something about corporate prayer. There's something about learning to pray together, and I don't understand it all. Had one of our former members come and, and just, just, just uh, foo-foo that. He said, I, I know you think corporate, I don't think it's important. If I want to pray, I can pray at home. I don't need to pray here with the church, and I don't need to pray with people. You want to have all these prayer meetings. And, and kind of give me a little bit of lip on that situation. And, and, uh, and, and that's, everybody has their opinions. But I think all through the Bible, I think even Jesus wanted his disciples to pray with him. He came back and checked on them a couple times, see if they were in the prayer meeting still. And when the people were all in one accord, then the Spirit of God showed up and did some special things, and they got great boldness to witness. And I think uh, even days like, uh, like Sunday are a result of someone praying somewhere. And I love it when people can pray together. I hope you'll consider being a part of a group prayer meeting sometime. You have every chance to do it. Every week, there's over 15 of them. There was one tonight before we came here to the service. There was one this morning here at the building here. There was one yesterday morning. There's one tomorrow night, one on Friday, one on, on, uh, on Saturday. There's opportunities for you to do that before and after services. I think there's something special about it. I'd like to encourage you to consider it. Well, Daniel believed in it. 
But Daniel chapter 3, Daniel is now one of the chief rulers, and he's not in the story. He's not in the story. The story, he may have been, this place that this took place was about 300 miles from Babylon. So maybe he stayed back and oversaw what was going on in Babylon for the king, and the king made his way to a valley, and there he had set up a large idol, potentially of himself. It was very tall, made of thick gold, maybe as much as they some think believe 10 feet uh, in just pure gold there, had a furnace that no doubt had melted the gold and, and someone had formed it, uh, a fiery furnace that had made all of the gold and, and someone had shaped it that was in that area. So the king said, I want everybody to come and out to this valley and I want us to, I want us to worship this new thing I've set up. And he invited all of his leaders there, and the Chaldeans were there, and then his Jewish leaders were there. Because of what Daniel had done in, in foretelling the dream, he and his prayer meeting all got promoted in the kingdom. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are in charge of provinces, and they have met the king where he told them to meet him. Look at verse number 1, would you please? Do, of, of Daniel chapter 3, Nebuchadnezzar, the king, made an image of gold whose height was threescore cubits, and the breadth thereof was six cubits, and it was set up in the plains of Dura, in the plain of Dura. So this is about, now, I'm giving you something that this is what I read. I don't know. I don't even know where Dura is. I'm just telling you that some people believe it's about 300 miles from Babylon. So it's not right there in Babylon in the main capital. The king has set up this thing, and now he's asked all of his leaders to come out there, or many of his leaders, most of his leaders. Look, if you would please, in verse number Two, then Nebuchadnezzar the king sent and gathered together the princes and the governors and the captains and the judges and the treasurers and the counselors and the sheriffs and all the rulers of the princes to come to the dedication of this image which Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. So he's, he's invited everybody to come. And then the princes, they all come. If you look at verse number four, and the herald cried out aloud and said, to you it is commanded. So he gets everybody's attention. These are all the leadership of his kingdom. Maybe uh, uh, we don't believe Daniel is there. Maybe he's out of the country doing some ambassador work. Maybe he's in the, in the big city uh, being an extension and, and keeping, the, keeping peace back in, in uh, Babylon. I don't know. But everybody that's all there, the sheriffs and the counselors and the treasurers and all those folks, they have met the king out there where he wants to dedicate this large uh, image as a place of worship. And the herald comes out and says, hey, give everybody's attention. Here's what's going to happen. Look at verse number four. To you it is commanded, O people, nations, and languages, that at the time that you hear the sounds of the cornet, the flute, the harp, the sackbut, the, uh, the psaltery, the dulcimer, and all kinds of music, when you hear the music, when you hear the band, start playing. You fall down and you worship the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar the king has set up. And whosoever and whoso falleth not down and worshipeth shall the same hour be cast into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. Probably the very furnace that, that uh, boiled down all the gold and the silver and the brass and what he had made there. He said, that's probably the same furnace. He said, he said if you decide you don't think you want to bow down and worship when you hear the band playing, he said, then uh, you're going to be going in the burning, fiery furnace. That's the decree of the king. And uh, so... It looks like to me that uh, he's made things very clear. And let's look, if we can, please, at verse number 7. 
Therefore, at that time, when all the people heard the sound of the coronet, he's heard the band, I'm going to skip that just for a sake, and they worshiped the image of Nebuchadnezzar. Verse number 8, Wherefore, at that time, certain Chaldeans came near and accused the Jews. These folks that had been transported as their young teenagers, they, they have a different way of worship, and they, they accused them. In verse number 9, they spake and said unto the king Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever, flattered him, and approached him with, with praise. Thou, O king, hast made a decree that every man shall hear the sound of the, of the cornet, and he goes through, the, hear the, you hear the band play, they're supposed to fall down and worship the golden image. Verse 11, and whosoever not falls down in worship should be cast into the midst of the burning fire furnace. And there are certain Jews whom thou hast set over the affairs of the, the provinces of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that's these men, O king, have not regarded thee. They have not, uh, not served thy, thy God, nor worshiped the golden image which thou hast set up. So these guys tattletale, and they say, hey, you know what, whenever you had the band play, we all got on our, our face, and we began to worship that idol. But he said, you know, these three guys you put in charge of these provinces, these Jewish kids, they don't do it. They, stay, they, don't, they don't bow down. They don't, they don't bow to your idol. And uh, he let them know that. They let them know that. We'll see what the king said. And, of course, uh, Nebuchadnezzar, I think you're going to see him in heaven one day. I may be wrong, but I think he might have gotten saved. But... Uh, for a long time, he was not. He was, a, he was a servant of a God, even as an unsaved person, to bring great affliction on God's people. But we'll find out what he does here. Let's look and see what he has his response to that. Verse 13, And Nebuchadnezzar in his rage and fury commanded, they bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Then they brought them in before the king. And Nebuchadnezzar spake and said unto them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you do not serve my gods nor worship the golden image which I have set up? Now, if you be ready at, the, at what time that you hear the, 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 uh, the sound of the cornet, the flute, and the, the harp, the, sat, but the, uh, the psaltery, the dulcimer, and all kinds of music, you fall down and worship the image that I have made, well, that's good. But if you worship not, ye shall be cast in the same hour in the midst of the burning fiery furnace. And who is that God? Well, that's a good thing to underline right there. It's a big question. Who is that God that can deliver you out of my hands? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee regarding in this matter. He said, we don't, we don't, uh, we don't have to think about this. That's what he said. He said, we don't, have to really, we don't have to worry about how we're going to respond to this. We already, kind of have already decided. By the way, it's always good to act instead of react. It's always good to have a plan in your mind if this happens, what's going to happen? You know, I, I don't say this with any kind of glee at all, but I remember hearing that Tyler, our oldest son, 17 years old, passed away when he was killed in that car accident. The San Jose coroner got off the phone with me and told me, and I remember holding Linda in the hallway and just broken hard as I could be. But I also remembered standing in the, in the Kaiser Hospital in Belfire, California, holding that little guy at eight pounds and, and one ounce, and, and saying, Lord, this is your boy. And I am so honored you gave it to me. For every reason, you take him away. For whatever reason, I've said this for all nine of our kids, I'm going to love you still. We're going to serve you. We're going to be faithful to you. We're going to honor the Lord. Boy, I never thought that would happen. I just said it kind of more so. It's just a more of a commitment to myself and to the Lord. But, you know, I'd already, in, in, in one time in my life, I'd already decided what was going to happen if that happened. And that helped me the day it happened. 
when I already decided how I was going to handle that situation. And he said, you know, we don't have to really think about our answer on this, uh, King. We already got it figured out. Look what they said, would you please? At verse number 17, he said, If it be so that our, Lord, our God we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fire furnace, then he will deliver us out of thine hand, O King. He said, If possible, the Lord decides to keep us from going through the fire and burning to death, he said, then, then he'll deliver us. But if not, that's a good thing to underline, because some things in life happen just the way you want them, and some things happen not the same way. Sometimes you pray for children, and God didn't give you children. Sometimes you were hoping to get this job, and you don't get that job. There's some things that you had expectations, and they don't come to fruition. And these guys already factored that. He said, possibly, God will deliver us. Possibly, he's got another idea. But if not... Be it known unto thee, O king, that uh, we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the gold image which thou hast set up. He said, but, but just, just make this clear. We're going to exercise. We have some conviction, and we're going to exercise some courage. If, if the Lord helps us, it's fine. If not, we don't have to, we don't have, to have the, the band strike up the band again. You don't need to do that. It's not necessary. Because you can strike it up a hundred times, and we're not going to bow. And we might die or we might be delivered. And if not, that's fine. We've already decided what's going to happen. Of course, uh, what do you think the king said? Well, you know, bless your heart. I, I respect you. Is that what he said? Let's see what he said. Here we go. Look at verse 19. And then Nebuchadnezzar was full of what? Fury. And the form of his visage, his facial expressions, was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Therefore, he spake and commanded that they would, they would uh, heat they should heat the furnace one seven times more than it was normally or want to be heated. Make it seven times hotter. And he commanded the most mighty men that were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and to cast them into the burning fiery furnace. And those men that were bound in their coats and their hosens and their hats and their garments and were cast into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. Therefore, because the king's commandment was urgent, the furnace exceedingly hot, the flame of the fire slew those men that, had t that took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down, bound into the midst of the, fiery, the burning fiery furnace. Then Nebuchadnezzar the king was astonished. He was just amazed. And he rose up in haste, and he spake and said unto his counselors, did not we throw? We cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? And they answered and said unto the king, True king, yeah, we put three guys in there. And he answered and said, Lo, I see four men loosed, walking in the midst of the fire, and they have no hurt. There are several dead men outside the furnace that have just been over, overcome by exhaustion and the fumes or gases. They're all, they're all dead. And he sees four men walking around in the fire. Then he says, then, then in verse 26, and he said, that the, I'm sorry, verse 25, he says, in the form of the fourth was likened to the son of what? I love using the King James Version of the Bible. You won't find that the same in some of the other versions. You can look for yourself and find out that they don't like to put the capital G on that situation. They want to put little g with S's on the end of it. 
for many of our versions, but I'm glad we got that one. Let's look at verse 26. Then Nebuchadnezzar came near to the mouth of the, fire, the burning fiery furnace and spake and said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, ye servants of the Most High God. He asked before, who is that God? Now he found out who he is. <laughs> now he says he's not just a little God. He is the Most High God. Hey, come forth and come hither. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came forth in the midst of the fire, and the princes and the governors and the captains and the king's counselors being gathered together saw these men who, upon whose body the fire had no power, nor the, the hair of their head singed, neither were their, co their coats changed, nor the smell of the fire that had passed upon them. Then Nebuchadnezzar, spake and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel, Jesus Christ, a Christophany, uh, pre-incarnate Christ, and delivered his, his servants and trust in him, and, hath chained, and have changed the king's words and yielded their bodies, that they might not serve nor worship any god except their own god. Therefore, I make a decree that every people, nation, and language, which speak anything amidst against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be cut into pieces, and their houses shall be made a dunghill. That's a manure pile. Because there is no other God, that's another thing good to underline right there, that can deliver after this sword. Would you read verse 30 with me, everyone? And the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. It's an unbelievable story, isn't it? I'm looking forward to heaven's cinema. I want to go to that one right there. I don't go to movies today, but I wouldn't mind going to that movie right there. That's going to be a fun one to see one day and see what I have read many times. But a couple of things I just want to share with you. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, good people or bad people? Good people. Going through a good time or a hard time? Hard time. And sometimes difficult things happen to people for no reason except that they're not explained. We don't exactly understand why, uh, why this happens. But I know there's a couple things, and I'll just share them with you quickly. Number one, when good people go through bad times, it introduces you to you. It introduces the real me to me. See, I'm not what I am when I go through good times. You're not what you are when everything's going hunky-dory. You know what you'll find out you are when you go through something that's unexplainable and very painful? The real you comes out under some heat. What's on the inside of a tea bag comes out under some hot water. What's on the inside of a sponge comes out under some pressure. And what's on the inside of me comes out when things are not very comfortable, when there's been some pressure and some hot water. But, you know, when you go through a difficult time, See, why would bad things happen to good people? Number one is so I can find out who I am. It introduces me to me. Now, I don't like it. It's not a comfortable thing. You know, I like, it. I like myself whenever I'm sitting in front of a, 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 a television watching a college football game. That's what I like. And my team's winning. That's my, I mean, I feel real good. What I don't like is me when I'm under pressure and I don't have any answers and it doesn't make sense. 
I'm trying to do everything right, and then something bad happens to me. You know what happens in that moment? I get to meet myself. I get to see who I really am. It introduces me to me. The second thing that a difficult time happening to a good person does, it introduces me to God. I have a chance now because I get so humbled by my problem that I really humble myself enough to say, God, can you help me? Can you help me? Whatever the outcome is, if it's good or bad for me, I'm going to put my faith in you. Would, you. would you help me? You know, the reason we don't pray most of the time is because we don't think we need to pray. You know, we got this. I've had so many good days, I didn't pray because I got it. I know what to do. You know when I start praying? When there ain't nothing else that can help me but prayer. You get your baby in the hospital, you'll start praying. You're having a hard time going to prayer meetings, you, you'll go to prayer meetings if you, get, if you get humbled enough. And difficult things that happen to good people introduce me to me. They also introduce God to me and me to God. Now I begin to say, okay, I'm in your hands. And you know, oftentimes in that moment, God does the miraculous. God begins to do something very sweet and special that I wouldn't trade for all the, all the I don't like pain. I think I'm allergic to it. And when I have a problem, the thing I want to do is transition out of my problem as fast as possible. But you know, God doesn't always trans, he doesn't, he doesn't take away every problem in my pathway, and nor does he do that in yours. But problems do introduce me to me and then me to him, if I will let them. Now, some people, when they have a problem, they just make it all about them. They, 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 they get mad at God. They resist him. And God resists them because of pride. You know what? Pride is not always saying, oh, I'm the best, I'm the greatest, I'm God's gift to humanity. No, no. Sometimes pride is just a focus upon how you feel, how you think, and what you want in a given situation. It's when your feelings and your thinkings and your desires are paramount. You don't really care what anybody else says. You, you care about what, what, how it affects you. And when you think that way, God resisteth the proud. He'll put you over in your little corner and you can just have your little pity party. And it can be your party you can cry if you want to. By yourself. Or you can say, Lord, could you let me get close to you? When we draw nigh to God, what will he do? Then we get to help him. He, I'm sorry, he gets to help us. Then we get to see his hand of grace. And the next thing, a difficult thing happening to a good person introduces me to me, you to you introduces you to God and his providential care and love and care. I'm telling you what, I hate problems, and I hate the problems I've had in my life, but some of those problems are the most dear, precious moments of my life. Because God said, I, never, I remember, never forget hearing that my dad had had a massive heart attack in the emergency room. My brother Luke had wheeled him in the emergency room, and he just collapsed right there. When my brother Luke called me, and I was in San Angelo, Texas, just finished up my grandfather's funeral, and he said, John, you got to get, get here quick. Dad just collapsed. Never forget sitting in that airplane. My dad was a big man, six foot three, 300 pounds probably. Always, I knew he had some health problems, but I just thought he was going to live forever. I mean, my dad was tough. 
And now I found out I'm not sure if I'm gonna, when I land this plane, he's even going to be alive. Well, I remember, I remember that, those moments. I was looking out over across the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex and then making a way over there to Little Rock and Memphis and Nashville and on into Tennessee, Knoxville. Every time I saw that, I just, I, my heart was just broken. And I just felt like in, my own, in, in that little airplane, it felt like that God just set up beside me. I said, John, I got you. You're going to be okay. We're going to go through this. Your dad loves you. He loves me. I love him. And I never, it was nine days later, my dad went home to be the Lord, never got to talk to me. I got to talk to him and not sure if he heard me. But uh, at the same time, I know I'll see my dad again. But God met with me there. How many of you can t- look at times in your life where God met with you at a difficult season? Sure. You know what happened? You met you and you met him. And then when we do this right, when we respond right to God, then others meet him. When God does a work inside of me through a difficult trial, then others get to know him. Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, their their problem, we're still talking about it. Isn't it wonderful to read this story? And a profane, aggravated, furious king turned his tune real quickly. Who is the Lord? He's the most high. I'll just take that right now. And I tell you what, if you're going to say something bad about him, we're going to chop you up into pieces and make your little house a dunghill. He changed his whole story because now he said, don't ever say anything bad about this God. This is, I just learned a lesson today. And you know, the truth of the matter is this world needs to learn a lesson. But they're probably going to do it at the expense of how I handle difficult times. Some Christians spend their whole life embracing and having a pity party for how hard it is to be me through my problems. Happy is the man or woman who understands my problems I'm trying to do what's right. I have a bad thing coming. I'm not going to go around and complain the rest of my life and murmur. I'm going to take it and let me meet me, me meet him, and others meet him too. Let's pray together.